Welcome back to another episode of The Sideline. Once again, I'm Charlie Eden here with Hayton Levy. And today we're going to be talking about ideas to fix the NBA. And I know that the NBA isn't actually broken and it doesn't really require fixing, but we're just going to be talking about ideas that the NBA could theoretically incorporate into their system or into their game, I guess is the best way to put it. So what's going to happen is I have a list of ideas here. I'm going to go one by one and then we're going to talk about them and we're going to decide whether or not we like them yeah we've got some good ones here for you today all right so first i guess I've, we've broken up into a few sections so first ideas to kind of solve the three-point issue i guess now that teams all they want to do is take threes people have obviously gotten or clearly have gotten angry about that they think it's boring to watch so the first idea I think is the most popular one is getting rid of corner threes and having the three point line go in a circle and just cut off at the wing area. So what do you think about that? Uh, Yeah, I, I agree with this idea actually, you know, you see a lot of teams today, like the Houston Rockets who just heavily rely on the three point line and it's getting out of hand. You see people just sitting in the corner, like sometimes Clay Thompson um, is just, there waiting for the pass and is there almost every play and it's getting out of hand and the fact that that's worth more than a player driving to the hoop and fighting for his way for a point is just is just out of hand and it should be fixed yeah I agree with you on that I it makes sense obviously that the farther away your shot is the more it counts but the corner three is shorter than the other threes because because it, it doesn't go in the complete circle. It cuts off. And I, I agree with you. The problem is it just ends up being a game of sitting in the corner. And it, it makes defense very, very, very hard as a team. Yeah. Now, another idea, kind of with the corner three, is to make it so you can't stand in the corner for more than three three seconds. Like, like you, you know how you can't stand in the corner? Obviously, three-second violation in the paint. Sorry. Nothing. Then they, people want to implement that in the corner. And I guess yeah. it would do the same type of thing. And, you know, a corner three just isn't such a challenging shot anymore. Players don't rely on the, the backboard as much as they used to. So it's just shooting from a shorter range. And it's, it's worth more than a jumper that's close to the three up front, which it just shouldn't be the case. Right. I'll, I'll tell you why I like the violation idea more than the no corner idea is because I think the corner can be a useful tool if, you, if you're running real plays and you're setting screens off ball and stuff like that, and I think the problem is not the fact that the corner three exists, but that people sit in the corner. So I would say the violation for me would just be a better fix to that because then you still have the corner three as a, as a weapon if you want to use it, but you can't abuse it. Yeah, the only problem with that idea is uh, how you track it and how refs are going to keep track of, of like how many seconds – a players in the corner or not. I don't know. Get a special ref. Just watch the corners. Yeah, that could work. I think that's... I like that idea better than the no corner. All right, next three idea. This is the MLB-style three-pointer, I guess we'll call it. So, obviously, not all fields in the MLB are the same. So, a team that has, let's say, a short left field uh, wall can stack up on righties. And it's easy... It's when, when, when teams come to play in their stadium, they have the slight advantage over the away team. So the idea is allow teams at the beginning of the, t- at the, beginning of the season to decide where, wh- 
where the three-point line is from a range of like 21 feet to 29 feet. And you'd have teams like the Warriors, let's say, who are a really, really good three-point shooting team, moving it back to like 26 feet so they have a little bit of advantage when other teams come. So what do you think about that idea? Yeah, so I'm not really fond of this idea. I think it gives the home team so much more of an advantage, especially in the playoffs. Um, I think it's a bit different than baseball considering that Baseball, like, it's hard enough to hit the ball and control where the ball is going, whereas in basketball, it's a lot easier. And I think it would just be unfair, like, especially in the playoffs, when teams play four games at home to three games. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, I'm not a huge fan of this idea just because it, I think it creates a huge imbalance from the home and away team, at least, like, in the in the MLB example I gave, another team can have a strong righty. But if the Warriors were to move their three to 27 feet and the Jazz come and the Jazz don't have any three-point shooters, then it'll be extremely hard for the Jazz to win that game on the road. Yeah, I also think that this idea would just get rid of big man in the NBA um, because it would make shooting a lot more valuable. So when players come out of college, they wouldn't look so much for the the James Wiseman out of um, out of Memphis, they would look more for the sharpshooter, like LaMelo right. Ball. Right, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, if, they did, if the NBA were to implement this idea, if Adam Silver were to listen to this podcast and decide that this is the idea that he wanted to uh, implement, I wouldn't be upset, but I, I would say it, it creates a, little, a, a bigger disadvantage from home and away than is ideal. Yeah. Next idea, I think this is my this next one. I think is my one of one of my least favorites. I think of all the ones we're going to talk about is moving the three year by year to wherever thirty three percent shooting was. I think the whole point of the three is it's supposed to be the expected the expected um, outcome is you're going to get one point per shot, kind of based on percentages. So it's like if you shoot fifty percent from two, every shot is kind of worth one point. And I think the same expectation was that people would shoot like one for three from three. So the idea is if, if people are shooting 33% at 25 feet, the next year that's where the three-pointer will be. And I, I don't like that idea. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, it would definitely spice up the NBA, and it would make teams uh, think a bit more about their player selection and their strat- strategies coming into the season. But it's just unrealistic to kind of change up that, that range every season. Also, I think eventually – I think the NBA three-pointer would just start to move back and back because they're going to tell, they're going to tell the teams before the season starts, okay, our three-point line is at 26 feet, three inches this year. And then people are going to get really good at that shot. And then the next year they'll say, now it's at 26 feet, eight inches, and everyone's going to get good at that shot. And then it'll keep moving back and back. Yeah. I don't think the game should change with the flexibility of the league. I think it it should change. It should stay the same and teams are just going to have to adapt to it. Right. I think if we had to choose a three-point moving idea, I would like the one that we just talked about more than that one. Yeah. The next three-point idea is kind of not a three-point idea. It's the four-point line. This is obviously like a famous – a lot of people want this. People, I mean, there's teams that have the four-point line on their practice courts. The Hawks, the Sixers, I know, are amongst those teams. Personally, I would say it would be interesting, but I would never want to watch it. Yeah, it would be it would be hard to watch because we'd see a lot of the Houston Rockets um, style of play. But I just think, heaving from the four point line, which yeah. would be a little yeah. irritating. But I think it's 
it does uh, like players should be should be um given prize like given more points if they're shooting behind the three um from more feet like you look at Steph Curry pulling up from the logo like he should be rewarded more for that for that shot yeah the another reason i hear what you're saying but another reason that kind of bugs me is because no one's asking no one's asking Steph Curry to go above and, above and beyond like the the three point line is basically saying to Steph Curry you shoot right next to me and you're going to get three points no one's telling curry no one's telling curry he has to be greater than that he, curry's deciding to shoot from 26 feet let's say he that's his personal choice and his style of play but i don't think that he should necessarily just be rewarded for that it's like why doesn't why wouldn't lebron get more points for doing a dunk that most guys can't do then yeah those are just as hard again i think this idea would just get rid of big men in the nba um, and it it would also make the NBA a lot more analytical, analytical um, like that, like the MLB. Yeah, I mean we we've already seen that with the three point line, and people don't like it. Yeah, more strategy. I like as a big man myself. I like that you're so protective of the big man. Well, people forget this that this league was once a big man's league. You look at Kareem, you look at Hakeem, you look Shaq. at Shaq. Yeah, and it really changed since. Since the 90s, since the evolution of the three-point line. And especially, it's like not so fun in today's NFL, um, NBA, to watch anymore because you don't see any any guys like boss people around like they used to. Yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, the next kind of category that we're going to talk about has just one idea in it. And it's it's specifically on this podcast for you. And it's – I've heard – Every, I, I, have not, I don't think I've talked to a Knicks fan who hasn't complained about James Dolan. So I am, I am saying to you and the rest of the Knicks fans, you guys should go an entire year without buying a ticket or watching a game until he sells the team. And I think if you did that for a season, it would work. Yeah. I know it's unrealistic, but I've heard, enough, I've heard enough Knicks fans complain about James Dolan that I think it's a legitimate idea to bring up. I think James Dolan is the center of the Knicks problems. New York's the biggest market in the world. Why, why haven't bigger players come here, play for the Knicks, great organization, play at MSG every night? It's because of James Dolan. The, the best free agent we got last season was Julius Randle, who is not very good. Um, and I mean, give him some credit. He's good, but he's no Kevin Durant or Kyrie. Yeah, he's no Kevin Durant or Kyrie, and James Dolan is just so egotistical. He And he's just – it's so unfortunate that he's the owner of MSG – because he's such an idiot. Oh. Exactly. Hearing you say all this stuff makes me think, and I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you're not the only one that thinks this. Obviously, I've heard a lot of Knicks fans say this. Um, you, I think everyone should stop watching Nick, Nick, Nick's games and buying tickets. I honestly do. Just try it for one season, and if he decides to sell the team, then you guys won. And if he doesn't, then okay, fine. But you're used. You're used to having him as the owner. So I feel like why not try it? Yeah, I like the idea, but it's not unrealistic. Gonna happen. Yeah. yeah, obviously, zero chance that's going to happen. All right, the next, the next category of idea we called it game shortening ideas. Now, obviously, we've seen this problem in the MLB where that games are getting too long. In the NBA, people don't complain about the games being too long, but they complain about the end of the game being too long. And I think a, a way to combat the overall issue 
is to first deal with free throws. So I think the first free throw idea is when you're shooting free throws, if you hit the first free throw, it should count as two points or three points, depending on how many shots you're taking. Yeah, so I I don't watch so much basketball, but when I watch March Madness every year, um, well, not this year, um, I get really frustrated because I'm a hockey player, and the NBA and NCAA basketball is just soft at this point. When during the tournament, when you see a player drive, there's a foul on like every other play, which is just frustrating because nobody likes to watch players shoot free throws. Um, but I think two points counting as one free throw is definitely going to challenge a lot of the players because a lot of players aren't that great at free throws, which is just mind-boggling because you see LeBron make these crazy shots, crazy corner fadeaways. Right, through, but he doesn't make the But he can't make a free throw. Like, well, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying only shoot one free throw. I'm saying you still get two free throws, but if you make the first one, it counts for two. If you miss, then you get to shoot another one for one point. So you still have the option of going one for two. But I think enough guys make – I actually like this idea. I think, if, I think enough guys make the first free throw that if it were to count as two, the game would speed up. Just ever slightly. Ever so slightly, but I think it would, I think it would work. Yeah, but players like the free throws because it gives them a break. It gives them a breather. Right. Like basketball – is not a slow game. You're always running. Um, but yeah, it would definitely spice up things. And I wouldn't be opposed for the um, to see the league try it for at least one season. Yeah. Um, another free throw idea. This this situation. I mean, I've seen it very rarely. I maybe once every like ten games I've watched. Probably more than that. A team, honestly, way less than that. Definitely not not even one in ten. A team, a team will be up. A team will be down by three. They have the ball with like five seconds left, and then the other team will purposely foul them so they don't get to shoot a three. I think if that happens, I guess this isn't really game shortening, but still has to do with free throws. So I guess we put it in that category. But I think if that happens, if you foul me on purpose so I don't shoot a three, I should be allowed to shoot three free throws. Instead of just the regular bonus two. Yeah, I like this idea. Because when you see that at the end of the game, it, game it's like, come on, like you could do something like, better than that. It, it's it ruins like, the game. It's kind of like copping out. It's like, you're, you're not, you don't want to play defense, so I'm going to foul you on purpose. I, I, know, I know it's strategical, but it's more, it, it comes out as more annoying than strategical. What I also like about this is that it doesn't completely, completely get get the other team out of the game because not every player is going to make three out of three free throws. Right. So it doesn't, free throws. it doesn't, it doesn't totally eliminate the idea of fouling on purpose. If that's what you want to do, then fine. I guess you can do it at the end of the day if you want to, but it, it makes it a little less likely. If you look at this in the bigger context, like let's say during a game, I know when Shaq used to be in the league, a lot of players used to foul him on purpose because he was very poor from the free, th- um, free throw line. Um, if you see this like f- from a larger view, it's harder to tell because it's hard to tell whether a player is really fouling another player on purpose besides at the end of the game. Right. So I guess this would be hard to implement throughout the game, but I think at the end of the game, in the, in the rare situation that I'm, I'm talking about, this is how it should go. Yeah, I agree. I like this idea. All right, moving on to, I guess these are more NBA system ideas. They're all bigger picture. 
We'll start with the, okay. So before I said that placing threes were over 33% was one of my, was my least favorite idea. And then I said one of my least favorite ideas because I, I, I went down the list as I was saying that. And I saw this idea, which is actually my least favorite, which is make the playoffs for the whole league. Basically expanding the playoffs because I think people get, get a little frustrated about tanking. And so if, if everyone gets to play in the playoffs, tanking would be a little less common, but I don't like this idea at all. Yeah. I mean, as a firm believer in winning matters most, I don't want to reward bad teams with playoffs. Yeah, t- bad teams who go – some teams, like, win, like, what, less than 20 games a season? Yeah. They shouldn't be rewarded for that. They shouldn't make more money for being bad. And it's, it just – it lengthens the season, and fans won't be happy because you don't, you don't get to see those – great matchups between or at least more competitive matchups between the one seed and the eighth seed or the right. four seed and the five seed you're gonna see right, one right. against 32 like nobody wants to see that it's a blowout i mean right. the, the most you can do is make it a one game series like they do have in uh in march madness but i yeah that yeah, would be a bad this, idea. this will never happen the only the the only playoff expansion i would be okay with is if there was a little mini tournament from like seven to ten where it's like best of one game i guess just because Sometimes I think there's a nine seed that ends up missing the playoffs by a couple games. And I guess if you said you wanted to give them a shot, then I would understand it. So I guess to have a seven to ten little play-in tournament wouldn't be the worst idea. But I think expanding the playoffs overall is a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, the only time you'd see this happen is maybe this year because of the coronavirus outbreak. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I have other thoughts on what the league should do about that. Um, but yeah... Going one against 32, two, ad- two against 31 is just, like, not a good idea. Right. Um, the next two ideas are kind of college-focused and how players go into the NBA. So the first one is change the one-and-done deal to a required three to four years in college, just like football. And I would say the, the thing I like about this idea is we're trying to fix the one-and-done. The thing I don't like about this idea is that it's we're making it three to four years like football because I think the whole point where people don't like one and done is not that they don't think players spend enough time in college but I think it's that they think people spend too much time in college and they find one season to be too much yeah and I think if you were to raise it to three to four years it would just make people angry and I think this kind of this kind of goes into another idea which we had which I'll combine with this one I would say instead of out of high school instead of making someone go to college for a year they should be required to be playing the G League for a year, and they can be used, and and that allows the G League to be used more as an asset, like the minor league for baseball. Yeah, and what I was thinking when I wrote up the the idea that college players should play three to four years, I was thinking about it from a college player's point of view, and you know they changed the rule for college players making money to make that they can make money on their likeliness, right? But, um, and if they can play. Th- three or four years or have to play three or four years, they can make money in college. It builds the hype. In college football, you see players like Trevor Lawrence who get recognition in their freshman year, play until he's a junior, play two more seasons. Um, they just, they're just going to make a lot more money. And The I, reason I think they're, they're not comparable is because I don't think you can take a freshman out of college football and put him in the NFL and have them be a, a good player just because the difference in the two games there. But, I mean, we see all the time freshmen coming out of college and 
becoming immediate stars in the NBA. Yeah, I also think that players like should get an education. They've played basketball yeah. their whole lives, so they probably don't know too much, focusing on that. But it's very hard to make it to the NBA, and and you see a lot of a lot of players who are good in college but don't quite make it to the draft or don't don't get signed um, as an undrafted free agent, and they just like don't have anything else to go to or towards. Like they don't have good jobs, and I think it just makes them more whole person. That's a fair point, but I think. I think if you I think if you had to take a general consensus of the players who were coming right out of college, th- a lot of them would not want to be forced to stay there for three or four years. Yeah, because also the injury risk is is big. Career-ending injuries could I mean well as I end your career in right in the name there. I think one thing I mentioned that I like is the G, using the G League more as an asset. I think the two-way contract is an underrated tool. Yeah, I like the G League. It, it brings more money into the NBA. And well, I'm not. I'm, more, I'm not as focused on the money for for this. I'm more saying, I think if you have a guy who who needs to work on one specific thing. I mean, this is a bad example because LeBron is the best player in the world. But for a while, LeBron couldn't shoot threes. So let's just say you were to send LeBron to the G League and say, take twenty threes a game. That would help him increase his three-point ability obviously it wouldn't work for lebron you would do it more with like rookies who who here's a perfect example from my from my miami heat duncan robinson excellent three-point shooter he could work on his defense a little bit so i would say why not have him play in some g league games every now and then and tell him i need you i want you working on your defense specifically that's what you're focusing on when you when you're playing in these g league games and i think that could be a bigger tool yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, the NBA has only started to use the G League as an outlet for their rookies um, recently. And I think it's good that they're doing that because a rookie, a high pick sitting on the bench in an NBA team, on an NBA team is not doing anything for them. If they go to the G League, like get, high, get a lot of points, get a lot of assists, get a lot of minutes under their belt, it boosts their confidence, which eventually is going to lead to good play. And and you see a lot of player. You see more players um, coming out of high school going to the G League. Right, I was about to say. Yeah, I love. I love the idea of going to the G League out of high school. Yeah, Jalen Green from uh, Napa County, California. This this year went to the G League. He's the third ranked recruit on twenty four seven sports website. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good decision by him. He gets to make some cash while playing basketball, and he's probably going to be a stud. So it's a good decision by him, and I like the way. And it, and, it, or, and it gets you in the door with the NBA team right away. You don't have to go through college. The second you go to the G League, you're already affiliated with an NBA team. Yeah, there's more confirmation that you're going to And you league. also get to pick. We'll talk about this a little more with a different idea. I think you know what I'm thinking about. But you get to pick where you play. Yeah. It's definitely an untraditional route to the NBA, but it's a good one. And it's you have a higher chance of actually playing there, as you said. Like a lot of players have career-ending injuries in college in their first first years, um, but if you get a career-ending injury in the G League, like you still get to have a lot of money. Yeah, and you're still you're not to, you're not totally at ground zero. Yeah, and you're still in the system, as you said before. Right. This next idea, I th- is I really like this one. This is actually one you wrote down on the list. And it's 
to find players who are sitting out of games without legitimate injury reason. Or the other idea is each player only gets a limited healthy scratch. So, like, let's say you, you wrote here, like, three or so. Yeah, so what I was thinking is that a player could get, let's say, three healthy scratches over the course of the season, and you have to play or at least be on the bench at every one of the other games unless you're injured. Because you see, like, Kawhi Leonard this year did not play in a lot of games. Maybe he was injured or he probably wasn't. They were probably just conserving his energy for the playoffs. But, like come on, he's making so much money for your team. Like, I don't see how you can do it. It's just destroying the sport. You don't get paid millions of dollars to sit on the bench. You get paid to play right. the sport. Like, it's just annoying for fans, too. And yeah, I, it's a soft my, move. It's a soft move, yeah. to be honest. Before I, before, I say, I, before I give my criticism about it, I'll give you a real example. My brother wanted to go to a Cavaliers game, and we were in Philadelphia. So he bought tickets to the Cavaliers-Sixers game. This is back when he was on the Cavaliers. And LeBron sat the game. And he wanted, he wanted to sp- specifically watch LeBron, and LeBron sat. So I'm, he was obviously annoyed about that. Yeah, nobody wants to see their favorite... I think that happens, fav- happens all yeah, the time. Yeah, nobody wants to see their favorite player sit on the bench. Like, you paid hundreds of dollars to go to these games. It's just annoying. My one, my one criticism with the idea is that it, it, it doesn't work only because... Who's who are who are we to say what a legitimate injury is? No, I mean Kawhi is just going to go to the doctor and say, just tell tell them I have an injury. And what's the doctor going to do? The doctor would say he has an injury, and then we're back at square one because we have people lying about their injuries. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on behind the scenes in the NBA, so it's hard to tell who's actually injured. Like Kyrie this season, was he actually injured, or was he was just was he just sitting out because he wanted to wait for KD? Yeah, the three or so healthy scratch ideas theoretically works, except guys are, will just end up lying, and they'll never, you'll see all the guys who sit like twenty games. They're they're gonna have used none of their healthy scratches because every game they had an injury supposedly. Yeah, I think the I don't think. But this theoretically, would, it's a good idea. It, it works on paper, but it would never work in actuality. Yeah, I don't think this would ever get passed by the players' association just because. It doesn't give them any freedom whatsoever, and yeah, it's it's like they're slaves of the league in this uh, theoretical idea. So I don't think it's it's ever gonna work. The next idea, it's two ideas combined into one. It's the big one. We've talked about it before before this podcast. You really hate it. I really like it. It's it comes in two steps. One, increase max salary to about 60 million and get rid of max rookie contracts get rid of uh, get rid of max rookie, rookie contracts and then get rid of the NBA draft. Yeah, so let's talk about that first idea, the max contract idea. I don't like does I don't think any other sports has max contract, right? I mean, they they do, but the NBA is extremely limited. Yeah, it does you don't see it a lot, and I think it's just they don't have they don't have actual max contracts. As in, I I don't know if the NFL has a, a crazy max contract, but there's like the running backs kind of have their own max contract, meaning no one's going to pay a running back more than like seventeen million a year for for most running backs. Yeah, they have theoretical but, player value. Right, exactly. But the NBA, so many guys get paid the max contract. 
So I think this I, – I, I tell you what I – the best thing about this max salary increase idea is it will eliminate super teams. And I know the NBA likes super teams because it, it makes them money. But if you're not a fan of a super team, it, you really hate the super teams. And if the Lakers were forced to pay LeBron $55 million, they wouldn't be able to also pay Anthony Davis $55 million. Yeah, I also think it's going to force players to be less selfish if they want to win. Right. Exactly. Like, and and I'm ch- LeBron getting a max contract. Kemba Walker getting a max contract. Kemba Walker is amazing. I don't think Kemba Walker is as good as LeBron. Yeah. These players should be able to get paid whatever they want. And everybody, like, is there really a team out there that's going to pay LeBron north of 70 mil? Like, yeah, I honestly, I honestly think there – maybe not north of 70 mil, but I think a team – if you said new max salary per year is 60 million, I think the low market teams would jump on that and, and offer – and and try and try to offer LeBron full sixty million because they want they want LeBron. The players know that them playing for forty mil in a big city like New York or LA, or, LA or New Orleans or Miami are gonna make a lot more money with endorsements than playing for the Milwaukee Bucks or a, a smaller market team like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right, but I think I, I don't know. I think. If you're, if I think if LeBron went to the Oklahoma City Thunder, I think he would still get all his endorsement deals. Maybe not with the LA companies. Maybe not with like some some random poster you see on the highway in LA. But I think he'd he'd still have a Nike shoe. He'd still do the Sprite commercials. I'm sure they'd still want him. I don't think you would just totally eliminate endorsement as much as you're saying. Yeah, but I think I think players want to get out of the whole. NBA image thing, and they want to, they want to expand their reputations. Horizons, yeah. yeah. Like LeBron wants to make LeBron started a school. He wants to do more than just play basketball, and he's made that pretty clear. Right. That's why he moved to LA in the first place, probably because make movies. Yeah, he wants to make yeah. movies, and I think a lot of players are going to follow in his footsteps for that because they don't want to be known just as a basketball player. Right. So you're saying the max salary increase wouldn't help, but I'm saying it, I don't even th- I don't think it would hurt, honestly. I think if you offer it and you say max salary is sixty million, okay, so the Hawks can offer LeBron sixty million. Maybe he doesn't want to take it and he can go to LA and then all it does and then okay, fine. He goes to LA. We're we're in the same place we are right now, except with more opportunity. I think they should just get rid of max salaries as a whole because it forces teams to be a lot more wiser with their money. And the whole max salary Oh, was- so you agree with me and you're even further than yeah, I am. I'm further. I think you're saying if a, theoretically a player wants to make all their teams money, they should be able to make all their teams money. Yeah, because the max salary. I mean, is, obviously you have to fill the roster, but you know. Yeah, what I mean. the max salary is just to help help teams uh, be smarter with their money, and it doesn't force teams to make tough decisions because of the max max salary. But yeah, it puts right. it puts um, high quality players on the same level, and which they just aren't. Like I'd say. Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, and Steph are like probably above everyone else. Like Giannis shouldn't, KD. yeah, KD. Steph shouldn't be getting paid as much as Kemba Walker. Like we all know that he's a lot better than him. Steph should be getting yeah, more, exactly. right? The the one problem I have this with, with this idea, and I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it's a problem for us, but a problem for the like lower level players. Let's say the worst players. 
is that right now Terry Rozier, I think, is getting paid more than he's worth in the higher double digits, around, like around $17 million. I yeah, think, I think that's it's 19. More than, right, so I think that's more than what Terry Rozier is worth. But the problem is, if you did this and teams started shelling out like $50 million to the big superstars, it would end up being that guys like Terry Rozier would get paid under what they're worth, which I think is unfair to them. Meaning Terry Rozier might not be worth $19 million, but I don't think he's worth like $6 million. I think he's worth somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, but why should you be getting overpaid? Teams are still... Like, right. I'm... Well, why should you be getting underpaid is the one problem I have with it. Well, there's, there'd still be a veteran minimum, obviously. Well, no, I like the idea. I want... Right. Obviously, you'd still, have a, you'd still have a minimum for the veterans. That, I agree with that. I wouldn't... I, I know... In, in, in what I believe, I agree with the idea, and I'm like, okay, who cares if a guy gets, gets underpaid? But it's just like, I know it would... It, there would definitely be a few players out there would get screwed, and that like hurts a little bit. Just thinking about it, kind of. Yeah, but the league will adjust. The league... Yeah, the league. No one is going to pay LeBron eighty million. No one's going to pay LeBron eighty million, and he knows but that. But he could. He could get forty million. Oh, he's or fifty or forty-five million, which was what, which is what we would say he's yeah, worth. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. What about no NBA draft? Yeah, I like. I lo- I really like this idea. I know you really hate this idea. Tell me. Well, why. first of all, the draft from a financial standpoint, the draft reels in so much money, so much publicity. Um, everybody watches NBA draft if you're an NBA fan. Everybody loves it. Um. And I think it's just unrealistic. With this idea, you're saying any player from college, let's go back to last year. Zion Williamson can sign with, with the L.A. Lakers. Like, that would, first of all, just be unfair. Um, and second of all, this idea is expecting teams, low market teams, to just get better because, like, nobody, nobody wants to play for, like, at the, at the bottom of their prime. The, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Nobody wants to play for them. Who wants to play in, in butt-looking Oklahoma? <laughs> it's just you can't just yeah. expect teams and organizations to get good at coaching basketball and playing basketball. They're just going to run out of money at a certain point. Here's what I'll say. This is why you have to combine it with the other idea. Two, two, two responses to that. One, who says Zion Williamson wants to play in L.A.? Theoretically, if you had no draft, he could go and sign there. But why would Zion Williamson – want to step into the league and be the third best player on the team. Zion, honestly, this, this, is, this idea should make you smile because Zion Williamson would have went to uh, New York if, this, if the no draft existed. I mean, why would, why would Zion Williamson want to go to L.A. and, get, and be the third option? I mean, he, he's stepping into the NBA. He wants to build a brand. He wants to become a superstar. Wouldn't he want to be the man on his team? So I don't think he would go to the best teams in the NBA. Well, they definitely the big market teams would definitely be stacked with talent and which I'm not like, of course I want the Knicks to get a bunch of good players, but it's also a hard transition for a player coming from, from college to the NBA. Like you don't really, there are only certain players that want to be the center of center of attention on a team. Like, right. Talk That's about- true. Okay. So then the guy who doesn't want to be the center of attention on the team will, can go somewhere else. They don't have to sign with this, with, with a team that has no other players. Theoretically, but if, then they're just going to sign with the really good teams who have good players. Not necessarily because the good teams might probably might not have the cap space. Meaning, if you this is where it comes combined with the with the no max salary or increase is if if I'm a rookie that's good enough to get paid, let's say sixteen million, the Lakers might not be able to sign me. 
in which case I'd end up falling to a team like like the Jazz, let's say, or like the Nets, where I'd become a where I'd where I'd maybe become an important piece, but not the superstar. And if, if I don't want to be the superstar, that would be good. So I don't think everyone would end up just flocking to the big market teams because also the big market teams don't necessarily want all these rookies. Well, the thing, I the mean, thing with the money and giving rookies money, I don't think Zion Williamson is going to get paid so much money out of college if he could sign everywhere. Why? Because there's still so much. If you're a small market team, still, first of all, if you're a small market team and Zion Williamson is getting so much hype, if you're the Hawks, let's say, you know, even, even better example, if you're the Hornets, no one cares about the Hornets. I mean, even when Kemba Walker was on the Hornets, no one cared about the Hornets. If, if you're the Hornets and you see Zion Williamson coming out of college with all this hype, you would be able to offer Zion Williamson $40 million And the Knicks would go to Zion Williamson and say, look, I'll pay you $22 million and you'll have New York. But then Charlotte comes along and they say, look, I know we're no New York. But A, as we talked about, do you really want to go play for the Knicks? They're super dysfunctional. B, I can base, I'll, I'll double what they're giving you. And I think a lot of people would take that offer of the double amount of money. Well, I don't think Zion Williamson, well, if I'm Zion Williamson and I'm going into NBA wherever I want to go, I'm going to demand a lot of money for a really long time. I'm going to want like a five or six year contract. And that's what a lot of the- Well, no, you still, you still keep the max contract time at five years. Or for rookies, even no, you may keep it four years for rookies. That's, max is four yeah, years for rookies. still so much money. Even say. I, I see a lot of teams, if this idea happened, a lot of teams would jump at the high-end talented players and give them a bunch of four-year contracts. And there's still so much uncertainty coming out of college if a player is going to be good. I mean, when Zion got drafted to the, to the Pelicans, like, yeah, everybody really knew in the back of their mind he was going to be a phenomenal player, game-changing player. But there were also a lot of doubters. People are saying, oh, his size isn't compatible to other NBA superstars. Um, his shooting's not there, not, stuff yeah. like that. So, although there's just – it's a lot of – doubt and a lot of uncertainty so i don't see nfl okay but if a team wants to take the risk if a team wants to take that risk i think they should be allowed to take that risk i mean drafting theoretically by what you're saying i think drafting zion williamson is still a risk the the whole like the whole signing a rookie drafting him signing him however you do it at the end of the day is a risk because obviously we have no idea who's going to be good so i think if you have if you have the no draft i think the risk factor stays the same I just don't see how I, – I think this idea would work in a perfect world, expecting, like, rookies to sign with okay teams. But, like, unless, or unless you're from a certain area that has a bad basketball team, you're not going to sign there. Like, I just don't see it happening. And Well, that, no, that's why you do this max salary idea. I think if, I think if a low-market team offered Zion Williamson $50 million a year, he would take that. I don't think teams would take such a big risk throwing so much money at a player. Okay, fine. So then they, they then they then they'll offer less, but they'll the low market team could still have the option to offer more money to get the better rookies if they want to. But then they wouldn't sign there. I think I think they they would have to be there would have to be a certain contract like maximum amount you could sign for a rookie separately from signing at a regular contract, because when you're a rookie, uh, you get paid a certain amount of money depending on where you get drafted. Right. Um, but right. I, I, yeah, I don't see it happening. I think it would just be too hard financially 
the players would be given way too much freedom. And I think players would pour into really good cities. Even if Zion Williamson doesn't go to, to the Lakers, the Lakers could still sign Cam Reddish, which Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, any of these right. still very good rookies going to a very good team, which shouldn't happen. Right. I, I see what you're saying there. Here, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. What, where is the difference? If you're saying you like the, the get rid of the max salary idea. So where's the difference between saying, look, the small market teams don't get free agents. So a way we're going to try to fix that is raise the max salary. So a small market team can offer a lot more money to a free agent. Where's the difference between that and the small market team offering a rookie a lot amount of money? Sorry, repeat that one more time. If, if, if the if the max salary increase would allow the small market teams who don't get who don't get free agents to get more free agents by offering them more money, why wouldn't that work? Well, because those big free agents are proven players. They've proved that they're that their value is at that height, that their value is, let's say, $40 million. As a rookie, you're not – like your value isn't that high. It's hard to say because the leap from, uh, from basketball in college to basketball in the NBA is very large. So there's a lot of uncertainty. Right, but the thing is I think that the, 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 the small market teams at first maybe will think about what you're saying and say – Oh, the risk, the risk is not worth it. But eventually the small market teams will realize that they're at, they're at being in a small city. They're by default at a disadvantage. They already know that obviously. I mean, it's no, it's no mistake that the smaller market teams are generally the worst teams in the NBA. And, And I think the small market teams recognize that. And I think eventually the small market teams would catch on to what they have to do. And, and even though there might be risk in giving Zion Williamson $35 million, let's say, the small market team might just say, "Look, if we want to be good, we got to." Yeah, do it. but what if what if he's a bust? Then you start from okay. Then you're stuck in it for four years. But what if you what if you sign a big free agent and he ends up stinking the next year or getting injured? That's true. There's a lot of situations where someone could get where, where a team could get theoretically stuck into a unwanted position. It's true. The only again, I'll go back to this idea. I just don't see amazing players, um, like amazing rookies, going to to small market teams, even if they do throw a lot of money at them. Like, you could, if a player really is that good, Zion, let's say Zion signs with the Golden State Warriors out of college. Okay, he plays there a few years. He wins a couple rings. Boom, he's the best player in the NBA. He could sign wherever he wants after. That was quick. He could sign wherever he wants after. Like, he's, he's done with the rings. He could take over a team now. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Here's another, here's another I think, benefit of this idea think about Devin Booker right I I wouldn't say he's underrated anymore but when you when you talk about the best players in the NBA he gets overlooked because he's on the Suns would you agree so why is it that a player as good as Devin Booker has to waste years of their careers getting drafted to such a dysfunctional team like the, the Suns it's true I think that it's a good point, but I think his progression from college because the Suns has has been phenomenal, and he could look. 
How long are NBA rookie contracts? Three, four years after those? Well, no, he resigned. The, the argument you could make is that he resigned. Well, then why did he resign if he knew that they were going to be because so that's Because that's where he could get the most money. That's where he could get the most money. But he didn't have to resign. Yeah, so I, I see. Fault. At the end of the day, after their rookie contracts, the players do have the choice to resign. But I do think, A, you can get more money resigning. Obviously, everyone knows. Like, the way the NBA rules work, that's... That's how it goes, and I, I like that. Um, so I think that's, A, why they resigned, and B, you kind of get like, – if you're drafted by the Suns, you kind of get – in a way, you get stuck there. Like, even though you can resign anywhere, it, you, you kind of – you get used to it. And, and, and I think that getting used to, in the end of the day, is just you've been roped into a bad situation, and it's hard to escape. But it's not that hard. I mean, you. I mean, it depends where your values are. You want a lot of money, then fine, re-sign with the team that drafted you. If you don't want a lot of money and you want to be on a winning team, then sign with another team. At the end of the day, you could really just blame this on Devin Booker. He didn't have to re-sign, even if he was comfortable there getting the most money. He could still get mate what like five five mil less. Yes, he would still team. he would still get a mask a max contract everywhere yeah. else. That's a fair. Fair assessment of it. Another thing, th- this is like the ideal world, and you're. If I, I've heard you respond to this before, but not on the podcast, you're going to be. I know what you're going to say. I think, but if you have this system with no draft, it forces poorly run teams to fix themselves. Yeah, Charlie, you know exactly what I'm going to say. You can't. You can't just assume. I mean. Yes, I guess yeah, in, a perfect uh, yeah, world, I, I know. in a perfect world, then, yeah, teams would get better and they would be able to sign better players. But, again, that's in a perfect world. So, theoretically, they can, you say that. they can get any coach they want and get them into the system and their players would just become better. But it's just at, at a certain point, they're going to run out of money. I mean, did you watch a Last Dance uh, document by ESPN? I watched the first yeah, episode. Yeah, I don't know if it was in that episode, but before – Michael Jordan was in in Chicago. They, they were, were terrible. terrible, and an indoor an indoor Beyond soccer terrible. league was drawing drawing more players. More hey, don't don't underrate yeah. indoor soccer. Um, they were drawing more fans than the Bulls. And if that continued, if they didn't draft MJ and they continued to be that bad, they they wouldn't be a team today. I know in hockey, um, the Penguins after Mario Lemieux retired. Well, I, I don't think this would work in other leagues. Yeah, but um, what I'm saying is they drafted Cindy Crosby after, and their views skyrocketed. And they were, they were about to go bankrupt. But when you draft a really good player, like, it improves. But So what you're saying is the Bulls never would have gotten Jordan without the draft? Yeah. I mean, he's from North Carolina. Why should he sign in Chicago? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I guess this no-draft idea is... I think in a per- in a perfect world there is no NBA draft and people can decide what they want and all the NBA teams know how to properly function and all the GMs know what they're doing all the owners know what they're doing everyone knows what they're doing but I guess obviously yeah I mean but then there like would be no need for a draft because every team's going to be the same right same uh, right. skill I guess what I what I'm looking for in this idea is what I'm looking for in this idea is you're kind of, you're, I don't want to re- stack the best teams, 
but I don't want to reward the crappy teams for being crappy. You know? Yeah, I hear you because it and it would and it would eliminate tanking. I don't even forget bad teams. Like if you're bad, if you if you go all out and you then you deserve a good player. You're bad. You deserve a good player. But I don't want I I don't. But I hate it even more. I don't want teams losing on purpose. And I think this my idea. The no draft idea definitely eliminates yeah, tanking. Yeah, hundred percent. I guess there's. I guess it would be more of an experiment. Yeah, there's a there's a rebuttal to it. I'm surprised you didn't say, which is, you can't trade draft picks if there's no draft. And those are useful tools to. Yeah, trade. I, I actually like it. It's more like a Madden style kind of, Madden or NBA 2K style league where you're trading players for players, which you rarely see happen in today's world. Like you don't see, you don't see a player like D'Angelo Russell get traded for. Well, you did see it this year. Andrew Wiggins get traded for D'Angelo Russell, but you never see players really get traded for other players. It's more right. You're, yeah, more at least fix. that fits. Like, let's say you want a good point guard, you trade for D'Angelo Russell, and you want a good power forward, you get Andrew yep. Wiggins. But it wasn't one for one. There were draft picks involved because one player's value right. is more than the other player's value. So I think the fix for that. This is kind of, I guess, a totally separate idea. I think I I like it, and I think it adds a whole nother. Where I like it is I think it adds a whole other level to trading. Where I don't like it is I don't want the teams to be good at basketball because they know how to run a business. I want the teams to be good at basketball because they know how to like train players and stuff. But I, if, you were, if you were able to trade cap space, if I was the owner of – if I was the GM of an NBA team and I said to you, Aton, I want you to trade me players X and player Y and I'll trade you player, player Z and I'll – and $10 million in my cap space. I think that could be a, a little alternative, let's say, theoretically, to draft picks, although it wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it would be a very thin line just because, A, as I just said, I don't want it to be about running the best business. But also, it's like players are getting paid, so I feel like that would be a I actually trade. do like the trading cap space um, idea. Well, I'd say trading the cap space idea only actually works if you can also trade draft picks because – if if you're trading me player X and Y, then I'm taking I'm theoretically taking some of your cap. Yeah, and if you have more cap space than other teams, it's like baseball. But for for signing players out of college, you can offer them a lot more money, like a significantly more money. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think I actually think the only the trading salary cap idea would only work if there is a draft. And then I'd say to you, I'll pay you twenty million of your salary cap. For the next four years, if you get, if you get, if you give me the first round pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So those were our, those were our NBA quote unquote fix ideas. Um, I guess we both liked some of them more than others. Yeah. We agreed for the most part. I guess, I guess we had to, for most part, we agreed on a bunch of them. Obviously a few of them. We yeah. We don't on. usually agree on stuff. So this is a rare occasion. Yeah. That, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening to this episode.